The Start On Demand. On demand. Would you use a milkman style service for common household products in reusable containers? Because there's a new service debuting soon that will do just that for things like shampoo, laundry detergent, and ice cream. Did you know that it's actually summer and not winter that kills your car's battery? But it's in the winter where your weak battery will really be tested. And a CAA mechanic explains why it is so important to plug in. And it's a special day here at 680 CJOB with a 2019 Hope to Life Radiothon presented by Merrick Holmes for the Health Sciences Centre Foundation. And we will hear two very personal stories from those who received care from the hospital. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who was off today. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Friday, January 25th podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back on Monday. Thank you very much for joining us this Friday morning. And it is a special day here at 680 CJOB. It is the 2019 Hope to Life Radiothon presented by Merrick Holmes. They are the sponsor for this hour as well. You can make a donation by calling 204-515-5612. That's 515-5612 or online at hopetolife.ca. Yeah, you know, through your donations today and throughout the year, your money means continued research, advanced research, advanced health comes, better health comes for you, for me, and everyone at HSC. And this is your opportunity to uh, think about your reasons for supporting this incredible organization, the HSC Foundation. The money goes to making things that are good, better, things that are better, making them best. And we are joined in this segment by Dan Rolfe. He is with Merrick Holmes. He is the president of Merrick Holmes, who have proudly put their name on this entire Radiothon and sponsoring this hour. Good morning, Dan. Nice to see you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for your support for this. We'll found out, find out in a moment why you got involved also in studio with us. Monique Levesque-Farrow with the Health Sciences Centre Foundation. And Monique, this is a huge day for the folks at HSC. Uh, I know Kelly Moore has been working with you for months on this, and mm-hmm. here we are. Why is this day so special? Well, we, we think of it as Christmas and New Year's and birthdays and anniversaries all rolled up into one because it's really a day about celebrating. We hear from patients whose lives lives have been changed for the better. We hear about research that's moving the line forward for healthcare for all Manitobans. And as the flagship hospital of our province, it's important for all of us. So Dan, Merrick Holmes, it's the third year now that you're supporting the Radiothon as the presenting sponsor. Why is it important to you and Merrick Holmes to be such a big part of this? Uh, That's a great question. Uh, We we are happy as a third year sponsor. A couple of reasons. One, we want to, we can, and the most important thing is that uh, the HSC, uh, we've had the opportunity to see firsthand uh, the care given uh, at this amazing facility. We know that the money raised uh, today at this event and throughout the year uh, goes directly to patient care. It goes directly to the people uh, who provide that patient care and puts the tools in the hands uh, of those at the Health Science Centre that need uh, the absolute best uh, tools to provide that care that they do. 
so many people have the perception that government funds healthcare and funds all aspects of it, but but you quickly realize uh, you don't have to dig that far to realize that there are companies like yours, there are individual donors that fill the breach, that 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 that, that distance, that gap between having what we'd like to have and what we do have in terms of research and tools, and, and that's where you step in. When did you realize that, oh, geez, my, the, the tax money doesn't cover everything. There are some things we could be doing better. Yeah, exactly. There's, We're, we're just pleased, again, just to have the opportunity, uh, sort of that firsthand um, uh, thing that I mentioned here. We have a family member that received care uh, through GD6 uh, a number of years ago, and I just think you just don't forget that. And when there's an opportunity to give back, uh, we jumped on it. Now, I'm just looking at this story of uh, this family member, the GD6 leukemia ward. Uh, now, she she passed away a few years ago, and our condolences for that. But the care that she received while she was at HSC, can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, certainly, I can share um, everything that I know about that. Uh, it was amazing. I, I don't I don't know... Uh, how the people to do it, uh, but they do it. Uh, they do it at the highest level, and they provide the compassion needed. And again, without the funding to be able to give them the tools to do that, uh, I just don't see how it can be done. And Monique passed donations to the GD6 uh, ward have helped to improve that ward dramatically, right? Completely. I remember when Mara Combs was the hourly sponsor for Marcia's Hour, and what was great was to hear the improvements that it, that were being made at that time. And I've had the opportunity to talk to some of the folks from GD6, and they've said that it's constantly improving. And if I if I recall, I remember Marcia saying to me, "Oh, oh, Monique, it's it's come back. Um, I, maybe I celebrated too soon, but we all agreed that you have to celebrate those successes." as you go through any health scare or any cancer journey. And that's what it's all about, is understanding that your story will be the impetus for new research, for improved patient care, for technology to drive that line forward so that people in the future will have a better story to tell one day. Yeah, Marcy Merrick uh, lost her battle with leukemia uh, ultimately, and she's a longtime friend of my wife. And so we walked on behalf of Marcy uh, several years ago in, in the blood cancer walk, the, the, the hope to light walk. And so you hear these personal stories, but you don't have to know the individuals involved. And it's just so overwhelming when you realize that the ultimate outcome was Marcia's passing. But the fact that Perry and you and the Merrick Holmes family have decided to get involved and to make things better, to me, that just makes that that gift even more impressive mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So, so Dan, mm-hmm. thank you for this. I give our love and our thanks to Perry, if you would, and, and everyone at Merrick Holmes. This is, this is a powerful thing that you're doing. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Let's have a great day. Now, Dan, uh, before we let you go, Merrick Holmes, for those who are unfamiliar with Merrick Holmes. Tell us about them. Sure. That's a great opportunity to do that. Uh, 45-year-old company, uh, custom home building company, second generation, owned and operated. Uh, we're happy to provide uh, at the service to potential customers looking for luxury new homes and, and more, um, the best service possible uh, that we can. So not too far off of what we're talking about today. Uh, we, see a, we see a like 
<clears throat> opportunity uh, just to provide uh, something special to our clients. Monique, you see that a lot, the, the corporate values and the values of HSC meshing when relationships like this get built. Completely. And if I'm sure uh, everyone is familiar with the HSC Home Lottery, of which Merrick Holmes is one of the great prize offerings. And I, I can share with you that the lottery winner, thank you to Tanya Merrick, who actually toured the home. Uh, she ultimately chose the money, but her and her family, as they were going through the home and being treated so kindly by Tanya, it was another way to dream about what you can do when you win that lottery. And it was really beautiful to see how pleased they were to be treated so great. And to have that opportunity to think about the homes that you provide are just incredible. Dan Rolf is president of Merrick Homes. They are the sponsor for this hour of the 2019 Hope to Life Radiothon, and they are the presenting sponsor for the entire Radiothon today. And all of your donations will go to the HSC Foundation and provide health care at the Health Sciences Centre. It's going to fund research, provide education, advanced technology, infrastructure enhancements, you name it, it'll help out, and you can make a donation on the phone at 204-515-5612. That's 515-5612. Or you can do it online, hopetolife.ca, all the way through until 6 p.m. You can and will make a difference by supporting Manitoba's hospital. Dan, thank you very much once again for visiting us. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back on Monday, and Greg, this headline caught my attention because of your, one of your many past jobs, <laughs> is a milkman. Mm-hmm. The headline at globalnews.ca, big brands bringing back milkman model to reduce waste. What's yeah. going on here? Well, once upon a time, you know, milk was delivered in glass bottles. I did not deliver milk in glass bottles, but I remember getting them that way, at least when I was very little. And people loved it. And of course, those glass bottles were the property of the dairy and you would leave them on the step. Kelly, maybe you should tell the story, but... Uh, no, you're, you're, you're bang on. And it's, it, but to bring it home, it's not unlike what you do with water bottles now. Right, yeah. like, like the, the the bigger the big jugs, bottle, yeah. the big jugs, right? Yeah. And so uh, that model A, uh, I mean, there are people that really miss glass bottles, and there are still dairies. There are a couple in British Columbia, I know, that still yeah. do glass bottles. Jackie's uncle used to own a dairy in British Columbia and did everything in glass bottles. And so there's a company called Loop, and what they're doing is they're going to use stainless steel, glass, and they're going to allow you to purchase everyday products, common products, and then you return the container and uh, eliminate the plastic that we are addicted to in our society. Kind of break that cycle. And I think it's a fascinating, amazing idea. So would you partake in this thing, Greg? Well, you know, I guess it depends on the products, right? Uh, And also the price point as well. Right. To a certain degree. I think to a certain degree, there. There's that consciousness always, right? Yeah. You, you I, I have think to, the investment in a clean environment is a good one, but it all depends on... There's a tipping on, point for people, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. it looks like they're, they're partnering. Some companies partnering with Loop include Nestle, Procter & Gamble, PepsiCo, and other top brands. And the idea of being able to uh, refill a bottle, a glass bottle with pop, I like that because... I love drinking a Coke out of a glass bottle. I remember going to, I think it was Newburger in Osborne Village, and uh, they've got beer on their menu, 
So I'm, if there's beer on the menu, I'm going to have a beer. But I saw they had Coca-Cola in a glass bottle, and I, so I had that instead. Oh, you, you just didn't have beer with a Coke chaser? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I just had the Coke because you, you can get the little tiny ones, but they had like the full-size bottle. Nice, so I nice. don't even know where to buy those. You, you prefer glass over plastic or anything else? I don't, I don't have a preference for taste or anything like that, but just I would definitely get on board with this program if it was offered near me. And like Kelly said, didn't break the bank on whatever they charge for delivering and picking up the empties. Yeah, because, it, well, there's going to have to be some kind of a cost yeah. attached because you're paying someone to do it. You have fuel, you have vehicles, you know, insurance, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's it's not going to be a free service. And that wasn't mentioned, at least I, I didn't see that mentioned in the article. Well, it's just kind of launched. I think they just announced it on Thursday. Yeah, so, and this is overseas in Europe. Right, it? yeah. so it, it'll be a while before it comes here, but everything from yeah. shampoo and Will conditioner. Will I still be alive then, Jeff, by the time it What's gets that? here? You? Will I still be alive? I don't by know. the time it gets here, yeah. But there's a three. <laughs> Aren't we usually ten to twenty years behind Europe? <laughs> yeah, well, but I don't think I'm, we'll be I'm that like far in behind. The, on your this. golden age, Kelly, doesn't take three months to cross the Atlantic anymore. They can just <laughs> fly right over. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this idea will get more traction uh, quicker than than you might imagine. Yeah. One of the uh, here's another thing that they're going to do. They the, Nestle. Uh, they have a stainless steel Haagen-Dazs ice cream container that was designed for use with Loop. So That'll be the thing, stealing ice cream off people's porches. Yeah. <laughs> stealing the steel. <laughs> Saw the Haagen-Dazs guy over at the neighbor's. I'm going to grab it. Yeah. I like this idea, though, of zero waste. It's the, the rise of this zero waste movement and concern about the environment yeah. has led a lot of businesses to try to reduce packaging and single-use containers. And I... I still, when I think about it, when I first saw the Keurig coffee, I thought single-use plastic yeah. coffees. I just it seemed so counter to what we were trying yeah. to do with the environment. In thirty years, we'll look back at this and think, "How was that ever legal?" You know, yeah, yeah, well, true enough, never yeah. mind. And how was it that this became popular in the two thousands? You could yeah. see that it might have been popular in the seventies or the eighties when we weren't uh, aware of the problem that this was calling causing. Ca- ca- yeah, and the one thing that really stood out for me in that article were the disposable diapers, because I don't think there's anything that clogs up landfills or uh, messes up recycling more than uh, disposable diapers. And and they've got something set up where you'll be able to just swap out uh, dirty ones for clean ones, and they'll have the technology to properly recycle oh, that's disposable amazing. diapers. Yeah, yeah, that was a part of that article as well. That was the that was the one that really triggered home for me. I thought if there's one thing that you can eliminate through all of this, it would be that. And every time we hear stories, quite often in the recent years from the UK, where they have these like blobs in their sewer system these fat garbage blobs yeah. which are which are comprised mostly of diapers yeah and then those and those wipes that people think are flushable that that are, that are really not <laughs> flushable. Kyle Milroy, you've got your microphone on. You must have some thoughts on this. I like the idea in general. I don't want to come home every day and have a note on my door saying your milk is at the can of the post down the road. <laughs> 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 but beyond that, I like the idea. If maybe they had a setup where you, you go to the store and they have just like a you 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 have a couple of bottles of glass like glass bottles and you can go refill them like yourself. Like a propane or tank yeah. exchange, or like something a propane like tank like that. I don't think it would work otherwise because you just. Like, if you need milk and you go, oh, your delivery didn't make it today, it's like, well, 
now I have to go to the store anyway. So I probably delivered to about 200 houses on Monday and another 200 on Tuesday, and then the same ones Thursday and Friday. During Back the, in the day, day, or was it no? Really it started in the middle of the early, early, like in the middle of the morning, like this, yeah. because you're trying to avoid the traffic. You're trying to get done by nine and o'clock before everybody's and, gone to work. Too. Yeah, that's part of it as well. But there were probably five or six houses each day where they had actually milk doors in their house. So you would open the door, and you would put the milk and the butter and stuff inside, close it, and it was locked on the inside, kind of like a doggy door, but it it, it had an actual lock on it, and then they could retrieve their stuff at their leisure. I can't believe that more people aren't installing some sort of intermediary, like a a safe or some sort of uh, lockbox like this in their house, so you can accept those deliveries securely. And you don't have to let anybody in your house, but it's kind of that, it's kind of a trade free zone for you and for your stuff. So there aren't uh, people thieving your stuff off the porch. So when you were delivering, were you also handling the cash or did they get invoice for that? How yeah, did that they work? would leave their payments as well. Some people leave yeah. cash, you know, there's a secret place where they leave the uh, money. It's, and under, then, it's under the mat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was typically under the mat. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever take a pull off one of the bottles before you delivered it? No, no, no. <laughs> But there were houses, believe it or not, that I went right into the house and put the milk into their fridge in the middle of the night. It was a little weird, I got to tell you. When I was like 11 years old, I had a newspaper delivery route, and a buddy of mine was camp. We were camping out in the backyard, and we heard the truck drop off the newspapers at three in the morning, and we were still up. I was like, "Hey, let's go do it now!" And it was a small town. Everyone. People weren't locking their doors, so I was opening doors at 3 in the morning, throwing a newspaper inside and slamming the door. <laughs> I got like 15 complaints the next morning. It's like, yeah, were you in our house at 3 in the morning? Uh, yeah, I was wondering how long you lasted <laughs> doing it that way. So this service loop is slated to launch this spring in New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, also in Paris. And then in 2020, it's going to expand in the U.S. West Coast, Toronto, the United Kingdom, uh, and then Japan is going to get involved in this as well. So it's an interesting service. Would you invite the milkman back into your life to help the planet. Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore, Kyle Milroy, thank you very much. Kyle, you cheated. You just dug that up from YouTube. <laughs> Jeff Forche hauls these instruments in here and does the does his best to, to play the tunes, and you just press play on the computer? Shame on you. But that was really good. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. That's I haven't heard that one yet, so good for you for finding a new one. Jeff Braun is here. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Couch Potatoes podcast now available anywhere you find podcasts, and we'll be on tomorrow at noon, Sunday at 6. There are three movies to tee up this weekend. Where do you want to start? Uh, let's start with, uh, with uh, an unlikely one. I, we'll get into this. Uh, it's, a, it's a modern retelling of The Sword in the Stone. It's called The Kid Who Would Be King. A land is only as good as its leaders. Somebody help me! Hey, leave him alone. A true king is brave and noble. Don't be a hero. I'm the king around here. You have more battles yet to fight. But fast as it go, we've got you now! Now, you must choose what you stand for. 
That's Patrick Stewart as Merlin. The other parts filled by little British kids. And I thought the trailer was kind of junky looking. When we covered this in the January movie preview, preview, I, I tore into it. But it's getting all these rave reviews. A lot of crit- critics are calling it a, a throwback to movies like The Goonies. So should make for a fun family trip to the movies. The trailer, don't go by the trailer because it's not that impressive. Did but. you see the trailer in the movie theater though? No, I watched it. Uh, well, I saw it in the movie theater. Thirteen last hours weekend. into my workday well, when I was cranky. I thought it looked pretty. <laughs> cool. Uh, I wasn't sure, but the ratings and the yeah. and the reviews are encouraging me to see this, I think. And I think it's great, too, because like the 80s, for example, had so many great family films, and that's not to say that it was only in the 80s, but I know that because I was a kid and they mentioned The Goonies. That's just it's an all-time classic, yeah. but there have been so many family movies come out in recent years that just get torn to shreds. Like yeah. they're, they're good for like the littlest of kids, but that's it. I think sometimes they try too hard or they think, oh, let's just like flat out try to ape the Goonies or something like that. So I don't know what they're doing different here, but they seem to have captured something. So that's great. The Kid Who Would Be King getting great reviews. This one getting decent reviews and it got an awards nomination for its star. Nicole Kidman is in Destroyer. Critics everywhere agree. I lied. I stole. Worse. Nothing Nicole Kidman has done can prepare you for Destroyer. You chose to play cops and robbers, and you lost. And is now Golden Globe Award nominated for Best Actress. She delivers a brilliant and harrowing performance. Destroyer is beautiful, heartbreaking, cinematic perfection. I just want to go one good thing. Destroyer. Rated R. In select theaters Christmas Day. And at last in theaters now in Winnipeg. And as you heard, the movie's getting some good reviews. Got nominated for awards. Nicole Kidman got nominated for a Golden Globe. She didn't win, but hey, good to get nominated. It's about the moral journey an LAPD detective goes on as a young officer. She went undercover with a California gang. Things went badly. Years later, the gang leader reemerges, and she has to deal with all the remaining gang members while she delves into her past to finally confront her demons. Ron, have you seen the trailer for Destroyer? No, I haven't. I've heard you talk about it twice, so that's all I've heard about it. Yeah, she is, Nicole Kidman is completely unrecognizable in this, and she looks like, you know, she's tough in this. So I'm excited to go see this movie. I might see it in the middle of the week, or midweek, to put it into Kelly Moore terms, midweek Milroy, in reference to producer Kyle. <laughs> and finally... There's a movie that I was excited about when I first saw the trailer. Oh, no. Really? But, but not so much. Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway star in Serenity. You were right about him. Look, he's violent with you. What's this? Just a little scratch. A little scratch, huh? I want you to take him out on your boat and drop him in the ocean for the sharks. So this movie was originally supposed to come out back in October... But then they moved it to January, and whenever that happens, that is a sign that the movie likely sucks. I'll just tell you what it's about. McConaughey plays a fishing boat captain. He leads tours off this tropical enclave. Unfortunately for him, his ex-wife Karen finds him, and she needs help regarding her mean husband, played by Jason Clark. Good cast alongside McConaughey, Hathaway, and Clark. There's Diane Lane and Jaimin Hansu. But it does indeed have lousy reviews. Last time I checked at Rotten Tomatoes, 22%. So 
Stay away Not from great. Serenity. Is this why I'm seeing Matthew McConaughey alongside Anne Hathaway every time I flip through my channels at home? Yeah, and Absolutely. you turn on ET Canada. Yep, that's uh, what's going on. They're doing uh, the press tour for Serenity. We should also point out all the Oscar nominees are available to watch in some form this weekend, the Best Picture nominations. Do tell. Five of them are playing in theaters right now, and three are available at home. You can rent Black Klansman, or if you got Netflix, you can watch Roma or Black Panther. There you go. That's awesome. Good. Yes. Thanks for the reminder on that, Jeff. And again, Couch Potatoes podcast available now, and you can listen to it on the radio tomorrow at noon or Sunday at 6. Jeff Braun, thank you very much, sir. We're joined now live on The Start by Tib Pereira, who is a mechanic with CAA Manitoba, to talk about plugging in your car. Tib, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. First question, did you plug your car in last night, Tip? I have a heated garage, so it's not a problem for me. Oh, man. And you can actually put your vehicle in the heated garage? Yes, sir. Okay, that's a whole other conversation we've been discussing uh, for weeks here on The Start. But tell us about uh, how does, first of all, plugging in your car, maybe some of us don't know how that works exactly. I know uh, we know the terminology block heater. How does that work? And our colleague Jeff Braun was telling us, my car doesn't have a block heater. It has something called a oil pan heater. Is that something new? Yeah, it's no, they've been around for years. It's the same type of element, except it's bolted to the bottom of the engine, bottom of the oil pan. So it heats up the oil, which in turn heats up the metal, which in turn heats up the engine. So instead of it feeling like minus 35, it'll feel like minus 15, so it's easier to start. That's interesting, but now, is that, because I thought that without a block heater, you'd basically be lost in this climate. Um, If you have a good enough battery, it may be able to start. Some cars are different than others, but for the most part, you should plug it in. It's easier on everything. Uh, When you, this cold compared to uh, room temperature, it's basically cutting your battery's output in half. So when you're trying to start a car that's cold with cold oil and everything, it's so much harder to turn over. And if you're cutting a weak battery's power in half, you've basically got almost nothing to uh, to start your car with. If you don't so. plug your car in, like let's say you get a new car and do what I did where uh, for the first two or three years I never plugged it in because it started no problem, am I damaging the lifespan of my battery by not plugging it in? Um. Yeah, you can, because it's taking so much more out of the battery to start the engine when it's cold. And then usually in the winter, it's dark when you start off in the morning. So you've got all your headlights on and then you've got your heater on high trying to uh, keep yourself warm. So instead of the charging system, putting that energy back into the battery, which you just used to start it, you're sort of just putting a little bit back in because you're running your lights and your heater. So you're not really. So when you do short trips, especially you're not really recharging that battery after you took so much out of it to start the car. Yeah, there are extra strains other than just the starting and it being in the cold. Uh, all your auxiliaries are, are, are working overtime. Yeah, everything's harder to turn. Your your transmission's stiff. Your rear ends are stiff. Uh, your suspension, everything's harder to get moving down the road. Wow, you know, you're really uh, bringing some uh, some insight into this discussion. We appreciate this. Tib Pereira, CAA mechanic, joining us on this uh, cold morning, and we're going to have even colder mornings. So it, what is the threshold? When, when do you suggest that people plug in their vehicle for easier starting in the morning? 
Uh, I myself, when I used to park outside, whenever it would get to minus 20, minus 25, I would plug in. Why minus 20? I've heard that uh, you could go even as uh, earlier as minus 10. You can, yeah, and that's fine. And a lot of newer vehicles, uh, GMs primarily, they have special block heater cords with a little round knob on it that's actually a temperature sensor. And they will not turn themselves on unless it's colder than minus 18 to save electricity. So I think minus 20 is a good, uh, uh, right around a good threshold to start plugging in. But it doesn't hurt to plug in at minus 10 either. How long does it have to be plugged in? I I know I plugged in my wife's car on my way out this morning out of the house at 3.30. So she's not going to be starting a car until right about now. So uh, I gave her about four hours or so. Did, did, Did I do her a favor or did it matter? Four hours is good. They say the minimum you should plug your car in before you leave is at least two hours, three hours. So, yeah, you did her pretty good. Wanted to also ask you about uh, theft of extension cords and and uh, one tip that I heard, which could be bad, uh, because someone I know their extension cord was taken off of their car while it was plugged in, um, and they were told by someone to like drive over, like put drive your car your tire on top of the cord so they can't pull it away. But that seems like it could be dangerous. Do you know anything about that? If the if the cord is old, yeah, you can crush the wires, but if you're in a neighborhood where you're going to get your cord stolen all the time, you really have no choice, right? Okay. And what about uh is it is it safe to like open the hood and put the the, the cord plugged in underneath the hood? As long as it's not touching any moving parts or anything, that's perfectly fine. Well, lots of different strategies here. I know on my Ford vehicle, I don't even have the cord anymore. I plug the, uh, my cord is sort of integrated into my bumper. And so I've got like a little flap, almost like uh, I imagine uh, the best description might be with regard to in your house, you have central vacuum and you lift that little lid and you put your hose on there. That's kind of how mine is. So there's no cord. I don't have to worry about it dangling. It's brilliant. I don't know why it took so long for them to to get here, but uh, here we are. Hey, uh, Tib, any other uh, advice that, that you'd like to share with us that maybe we didn't ask you about? The most important advice is everybody thinks that it's the, the winter that kills the batteries, but it's actually the summer. It's the summer that, that kills them. But in the winter, uh, the cold tests the weak batteries. So if you're having trouble starting, then it sounds like it's about time to replace your battery. Uh, in in our area here in our region, battery lifespans are anywhere between four and six years. Normally, some go longer, some go shorter. So if you're within that four to six year mark, it would be a good idea to get a CAA membership. Give us a call and we'll come and test her out. All right, Tib Pereira, CAA mechanic. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate the time and insight. No problem. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, just a couple of years ago, it was, I guess, January 2017, Greg, where my car had battery issues. And see, it was a day like today. It was brutal cold. I was just thinking about this. And they came to my home and they replaced the battery. Guy's hands must have been frozen. Felt so bad for him, but they did it on the spot. And it was actually cheaper to do it through CAA than it would have had I gone to buy it and taken it in. So, uh, yeah, they offer a great service, and their people are always wonderful. So thank you, CAA Manitoba.
Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back on Monday. Thank you very much for joining us today on The Start. It is the 2019 Hope to Life Radiothon for the Health Sciences Centre Foundation. You can make a donation at 204-515-5612 or online at hopetolife.ca. The presenting sponsor for the foundation is Merrick Holmes, and the sponsor for this hour is the Johnston Group. And we are joined live in studio by Dave Angus, who is the VP of Chamber Relations at the Johnston Group. And once again, Monique Levesque-Farrow is back from the foundation. She is the manager of sponsorship and events. And before we say hi to Dave, Monique, do we know how much we've raised so far? We do. Now, here's the deal. Last year, the White Cross Guild, lovely ladies, sold goods and clothing and made a donation to the tune of $50,000. So we've raised more than last year, but we do need to bridge that gap. So I'm just going to point out to everyone in Manitoba, we can do it. That would be only 1,000 people making $50 donation in honor of the White Cross Guild. Let's let's get to that 175k. Yeah. And I might point out that Johnston Group is matching all donations up to 30k. Er, Johnston Group, pardon me, Access Credit Union, as well as the Wawanisa Mutual Insurance Company, matching all donations total 30k. Wow, that is impressive. Now, Johnston Group has supported the Radiothon for three years. And Dave, you had uh, a life-changing personal experience at HSC. I was golfing with your son, Sean, mm, at yeah. uh, Maplewood when he told me about it, and yeah. I just Golfing with Sean is harrowing unto itself. <laughs> Never mind my own personal story. He's but. an angry young man, <laughs> yes, he but is. he calmed down when he told me the story, and it just did my jaw hit the hit the ground. What, tell us what happened. Well, it's uh, I guess it's a testament to the fact you never know when you're going to need the help of the Health Science Center. And I certainly never crossed my mind that I was going to be in this situation. Uh, a little over two years ago, uh, I woke up one morning and had a sharp pain in the back of my head. Uh, Felt something wrong, started getting the shakes, uh, called an ambulance. They rushed me into emergency. Uh, didn't think there was anything wrong, but did the MRI and found out that I had a brain hemorrhage. And I think with brain hemorrhages, uh, apparently the data tells you that if it bleeds for more than a second and a half, you die. And so I was on the lucky side of the clock. And uh, so they rushed me into Health Science Center uh, in the neuro- neurology department. Uh, the care was amazing to the diagnostics, to the surgical team, to the nursing staff. And I guess uh, if I have a message here this morning, it's number one, um, the reason why we contribute to this is not only because uh, we have a personal interest to do so, but also we, we just don't know when our family or our children or our parents, grandparents, grandkids are going to need this care. Uh, from the emergency staff to the nursing staff to the doctors, right through the continuum of care, amazing people. And today's our day where we can step forward as a community and say, we believe in what you do. We know how important it is and we want to support you. The foundation is critical to the work that they do. There was a higher purpose that ran through all of those professionals that I interacted with. They cared very much about my health. Uh, And out of respect for that, I think we as a community need to step forward and say, we want to have your back and we're going to put resources in so you can get the equipment and the facility to do the job that you really want to do. Uh, they're heroes to me. They saved my life. Um, and I'm here today because of the great care that I have at uh, Health Science Center. Well, and, and the passion of these healthcare providers, and I include everyone that does any job on campus at HSC in that group, 
you have to give them tools to do their job. And Dave, you've been interacting with government for a long time. You're a longtime friend of ours here on the radio station. So we know the challenges that government have in terms of providing funding for healthcare. We know how quickly technology is evolving and the two don't always mesh up. This is our opportunity. Uh, this is my Grammy saying, and I use it maybe a little too often, but it's apropos, good, better, best. Never let it rest till the good get better and the better best. And so that's what we're trying to do. Good, better, better, best. Yeah, and we deserve the best. And, uh, you know, government has a role to play and they play that role, but we also have a role to play. And that's why this occasion is so important. Uh, we need to recognize uh, the important work that they do. These are our fellow Manitobans we need to look after and we have responsibility to do so. Uh, so we have a fifty thousand dollar gap, and I'm gonna I'm gonna personally donate a thousand dollars this Aww. morning. Wow. I have to have at least forty nine friends out there, <laughs> at least forty nine friends that want to uh, come with me on this journey today to match my thousand dollar contribution to the Health Science Center Foundation, uh, because it is an organization that uh, deserves the support, and um, it's a pleasure for Johnson Group to, on behalf of our two hundred seventy five employees to participate in this way, to double the impact that you could have through the match of those financial services firms that are matching up to $30,000 today. And before we let you go, Dave Angus, the VP of Chamber Relations at the Johnston Group. What is the Johnston Group? Oh, what do you, is this the wrong title? (laughs) Yeah, I actually became the president of of Johnston Group. Uh, Dave Johnston kind of split his title between CEO and president. Oh. And so uh, it is, uh, it's a pleasure. Well, congratulations on the uh, the promotion, Dave. Thank you so much. Um, but it's, uh, I am not representing myself, uh, today I'm representing our 275, uh, great proud Manitobans that work uh, at Johnson group every day. It's a group benefits company, a national company, uh, that does, uh, group benefits, providing, uh, good, uh, group benefit resources to, uh, almost 40,000 companies, uh, about a hundred, almost 200,000 Canadians across, across Canada, all out of, all, all out of Winnipeg. Well, Dave Angus, president of the Johnston Group. Did I get it right this time? There you go. There you go. So modest. Uh, Dave, (laughs) hey, thank you so much for joining us. And again, Johnston Group sponsoring this hour of the Hope to Life Radiothon for the Health Sciences Centre Foundation, uh, which is presented by Merrick Holmes. And the donation phone number is 204-515-5612. That's 515-5612. Or online, hopetolife.ca. So, Dave, thank you for visiting. And Monique Levesque-Farrell with the Foundation, thank you again. It's time for your favorite soap opera, Greg. Well, my second favorite. Oh, the first my one My first is... favorite is Young and the Restless. Oh, second okay. favorite uh, stars uh, Donald Trump and his cast of characters and uh, 800,000 uh, furloughed uh, government workers were, you know, really in the headlines for the last several days here. But as we enter day, or pardon me, week six of the partial government shutdown in the United States, Reggie Cicchini is going to tell us that... Well, the Mueller investigation has stolen the headlines this morning. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. Yes, the Mueller investigation has again taken center stage here with uh, a former advisor to President Donald Trump, Roger Stone, being arrested this morning. The FBI heading to his house in Florida, banging on the door, putting him in cuffs, putting him in a car. He's headed to a courthouse in about an hour and a half. And this is all again linked to the special counsel's investigation and whether or not there was kind of a a, a collusion effort when it came to the election in 2016 with Russia. But this time around, it's focusing a lot on WikiLeaks. There was a lot of conjecture. Folks in Washington wondering there were 
was news yesterday that a grand jury had been called. And uh, so tongues were wagging. Would we see an indictment today? And sure enough, this seems to be a little bit of a pattern. Uh, Mueller Fridays, so to speak. Absolutely. I mean, this is something that we've come to expect. I mean, we kind of heard little drips from Rudy Giuliani over the last week or so saying that something might be coming down if there was kind of a, a collusion effort. It didn't have to do with the president. It might have had to do with people uh, involved with the president during the campaign. And then here we are with this indictment against Roger Stone that basically is putting him up against seven charges or indicting him on seven charges, including obstruction, giving false statements and witness tampering. And that witness tampering one actually in that indictment, it kind of invokes the Godfather where the two people that were involved in this were talking about maybe we should invoke how this worked in The Godfather 2 when you lie, to count, uh, you lie to Congress when you're giving your testimony. Make it seem like you know a little bit less. R- Reggie, this is obviously... Uh, a- it's it's gripping. There are all sorts of details. Uh, there are allegations. There are uh, all sorts of questions around what really happened. Rudy Giuliani, you, you spent some time, you just touched on, on him uh, briefly in our discussion here. We could have played quotes from him all week long and maybe never run out of sound, but... We didn't do that, but I have to play this from multimillionaire. He's, he's essentially a billionaire. He's worth about $700 million. Millionaire Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross had some interesting advice for furloughed federal workers, as I mentioned, as we enter week six of the partial shutdown. And today, in fact, is the day that most federal workers will get their second pay stub that says zero, zero, zero. Here's the clip. There are reports that there are some federal workers who are going to homeless shelters to get food. Well, I know they are, and I don't really quite understand why, because, as I mentioned before, the obligations that they would undertake, say a borrowing from a bank or a credit union, are in effect federally guaranteed. So the 30 days of pay that some people will be out there's no real reason why they shouldn't be able to get a loan against it. And we've seen a number of ads from financial institutions doing that. Now, Reggie, I don't know about you, but my grandpa used to tell me, Greg, if you owe $1,000 to the bank and you can't pay it back, you're in trouble. If you owe them $100 million and you can't pay it back, they're in trouble. I think Wilbur Ross's experience with banks and credit unions might be a little bit different than most people's. Well, I mean, it, absolutely. Wilbur Ross is kind of under investigation for a whole bunch of bank issues uh, that lead to uh, signs overseas. But this just goes to prove that some members of the Trump administration and definitely within the cabinet are just out of touch with reality. Most of the members on Trump's cabinet are, uh, you know, 100 millionaires into the billionaire range. And for Wilbur Ross to sit here and say, well, I don't understand why people are lining up and getting pay, uh, taking food bank, uh, uh, or getting food from a food bank, he obviously not realizing the fact that many of these government workers, people in the FBI, people in the TSA, make paychecks or salaries that are less than $40,000 a year. So when you're feeding a family of two, three, four, and you maybe have a one-income, a two-income household, but it's not very much, you're running out of money by the end of that first month when you haven't had any paychecks. So the administration really coming under, under fire right now for the president taking this shutdown, trying to put it on Democrats, but his own people sitting there saying, well, we don't understand why these people just don't have money in the bank. Well, and uh, on that, that note of the government workers who are going without cash right now, Donald Trump's daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, telling unpaid government workers to endure a little bit of pain for the greater good. And uh, of course, there is she's surprised at the backlash to that comment.
Well, again, it goes to show that people that are within inside this Trump realm who never really have anything to worry about when it comes to a finance don't understand why these people are putting up a fight. I mean, ask anybody to go to work for one day without pay. They'll say, sure, I can do that. Ask somebody to go to work for 30 days without pay. It's 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 a stress. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people out there that don't actually have the ability to continue to live their day to day lives when it comes to uh, uh, making their ends meet because the government has been shut down. And again, this is something that's sitting on the president's shoulder. The Republicans are taking a big backing, a beating for this. And we'll see what happens. But we've already been told by people inside the administration this could continue it to the end of March. So it'll be interesting to hear what members of the Trump organization and, and the administration have to say a month down the road and two months down the road. All right, Reggie. Always great to catch up with you. Thanks for our weekly update from Washington. It's uh, never boring, my friend. It never ends. Thank you, Reggie. Reggie Cicchini, uh, Global News, Global National, joining us from Washington, D.C. Up next. Oh, there it is. What did Victor Newman say? Uh, you devious man. I want you to pocket things, and I want you to get out! Was he talking to Jack Abbott? I'm sure he was. When he said that? Yeah, didn't he throw a chair through the window? He did. Jack did, right? Jack threw the window through the chair. Yeah, Victor's in the, uh, in, uh, spoiler alert, close your ears if you've recorded these. Victor's in prison again. Oh my. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he, uh, well, they think that he murdered JT Helmsworth, <laughs> but he, he didn't. Somebody else did it. Everybody knows, except uh, except the cops. Uh, good for you for sticking with the YNR, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.